All right there. Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Wesley Salmon. I hope you're all doing good down in Guelph, the G-Town, Royal City. <laughs> we're, we're all getting out our old devices this weekend now that we're just, you know, in a minute of, of tech nostalgia, getting all our getting all our phones out with their keyboards that satisfying clack that well a guelph <laughs> in particular is right by the kw so there is definitely a lot of uh <laughs> tech vibes that kind of seep into guelph most definitely that's true we are in the innovation corridor i hear about that all the time at council and different city events and things the innovation corridor represent well at the university of guelph it's uh, very animal and crop based but still you know like uh, high-end technology towards it Oh yeah, far, everything's tech now. Didn't you, didn't you hear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Including our, our show here. Anyway, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which you may have subtly missed, is the true Canadian tech story, Blackberry. And you can see that in a theater near you. And if I could just get real for a second, you know, support Canadian films. Uh, it is a Canadian-made film, Canadian talent, shot, oddly enough, mostly in Hamilton, but some of it in Waterloo. Um, and see it in theaters when you can. And uh, I'm not just saying that because the, when I saw it, the theater was almost empty, but some, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you said about half dozen, for me I'd say about half dozen too, and it, yeah. was, it was not too full. Um, uh, the one thing I also want to say, it's CBC, right? So it, yeah. uh a little bit of taxes so every canadian uh helped make it so i think that's nice and it's good to go and support oh, that yeah canadian film center too which also has like incentives and things so yeah yeah so i think that's pretty great your tax uh, your tax uh, dollars are worth yeah <laughs> if you hate canada then i guess don't see it but i mean <laughs> if you like canada then i think not only should you i think you need to go and see it yes well or I'll go with need to. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's also a great tech story, obviously. Um, you know, Blackberry. Oh, all around. Yeah. I uh, myself, I remember my mom uh, is a librarian and she received the first Blackberry. Um, like, and ever? I thought it was really. Yeah. Like, well, not like the first one <laughs> made, but yeah, like the, the first gen of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this was, yeah, really, really fascinating <laughs> for me uh, in particular. So if you had a BlackBerry, this uh, the special film for sure, you might tear up. You might tear up. You might. You, you might. might you might tear up near the end. Yeah. No. Um, but as as a tech story, we are going to dedicate the first part of our show here to what we're calling Tech Wars, um, which is a reference to a series of novels co-written by William Shatner, which are probably mostly forgotten, or if known at all, are known for a Simpsons joke from one of the 1990s episodes. Um, but Tech Wars... Like the uh, family guy went for his uh, rock man. That's right. That's right. William Shatner, yeah. I, I just mean, that's what he's known for now. Just his, <laughs> his the way he's portrayed in adult cartoons. Mm-hmm. And for going into space, good on him. <laughs> Back to Tech Wars, though. Um, so we're going to talk about movies that have a component of people fighting over technology or fighting technology. Um, BlackBerry is kind of like that. There is a fight over 
tech, uh, who gets to control the tech, um, how the tech evolves, um, how you lose the competitive edge. So uh, all of these themes, uh, there is actually quite quite a nice little bunch of films that are kind of follow along these lines, like the corporatization of technology and the evolution and man versus machine and all these kind of themes. So this is what we're going to dedicate the first part of the show to. Yes, Peter. Oh, I, I didn't say anything. Oh, all right. You sounded pensive, but uh, yeah. I, I, I will yield to you to make the first. I, uh, the... Oh, okay. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of pressure here. My goodness. <laughs> so the first one I picked, uh, mm-hmm. and it's because it intertwines perfectly with the Friday release of its, I believe, what year are we at? 2013, 2023. Uh, 10th anniversary of Daft Punk's Random Access Memories. Um, one of the best tech films that I've seen is um, 2003's Interstellar 555. The, mm-hmm. all S is presented with the five, the story of the secret star system. Uh, it is a Japanese anime directed by uh, Kazuhisa uh, Takanuchi, and it is a full technology-based space opera that has no dialogue. It is just alongside Daft Punk's 2007 album, uh, Discovery, which is, is a great one. Oh, sorry, 2001 uh album my my apologies my apologies <laughs> um yeah so if you're a daft punk fan or if you're a fan of just sci-fi or anime all around i really would recommend it it's um a uh, very earth very earthy although better than us blue aliens are captured by us we're the villains good old earthlings we take them back to earth and we use our technology to completely change their brains and change them from blue to white. So it is us as the enemies and humans usage of technology to uh, overtake, you know, another species. So uh, I think overall the theme is the danger of technology and it not even taking control, but changing us and humans mindsets, uh, us just using the computers and what is on average presented us uh, presented to us the most uh, to have the not only grand effect, but the only effect on us humans. So technology taking over us, not in the same way as matrix, but mm. a slow burn akin to what Facebook can do, right. Kind of change your political mindset. If all you're getting is, is a uh, Trump posts, you know, Mm-hmm. Or, or communist ones yeah i don't know like just, just post post a <laughs> one particular thing over and over um and uh interstellar 5555 uh does that in a really remarkable way um again even if that sort of thing that sort of theme of technology danger uh if you don't like that uh, it's still if you're a daft punk fan i would i would absolutely recommend it the uh visuals are are quite um outstanding uh, and I want to say, too, because I think a lot of people would uh, hear this and think it is a fan-made video. It is not. It is is official uh, Daft Punk one. They uh, Guy Manuel and uh, Van Galtaire had, uh, were the writers, the sole writers of it. So, yeah, uh, if you like tech, Daft Punk, or anime, I would recommend Interstellar 5555. Mm-hmm. I said three last time. There's four fives. There's four the fives. The story of the secret star system. Mm-hmm. 
I'm curious. I'm just trying to look it up to see if it's like streaming. Uh, it's fully free. It's fully free on YouTube. The whole thing. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm glad you. Uh, I was meant to uh, bring that up. Yep, hour and five minutes. Okay, all on cool. YouTube. Yeah, no. Uh, I am intrigued. I'm not a big anime guy generally, um, but I do find this intriguing and the use of of Daft Punk because, as we know from Tron Legacy, Daft Punk can elevate just about anything. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, interesting pick for sure. Um, I went with something a little more prosaic uh, for my first pick. Um, it is 1987's RoboCop. Um, it is a classic. It's a classic. It's Paul Verhoeven's first American film. Uh, it's a Frankenstein story wrapped in a uh, savage satire of corporate America in the 80s. Um, the Probably everybody probably knows the the plot of RoboCop, uh, to Detroit down and out, falling apart uh, economically, socially. Uh, the police force are overwhelmed. Uh, this cop named Alex Murphy gets murdered, brutally murdered, uh, by a, a gang, and he is resurrected as RoboCop, who has three directives to protect the public trust and uphold law and order, and. Uh, you know, he goes going about his his patrols, and then he starts to remember his life as Murphy, including how Murphy died. So it's this interesting thing about how the machine takes you over, and you can regain your humanity. And I'm not sure how much Fearhoven um, <laughs> leans into this, but uh, you know, uh, one gains one's humanity back through revenge. Um, maybe I don't know, but what is interesting is. You know, the uh, Robocop is it, there's like standard kind of 80s action y stuff. But what the interesting thing about Robocop is everything that's going around in the edges in this corporate realm where you have uh, Morton, who's the guy who comes up with the Robocop program. It, it's not because he's being magnanimous and he wants to, you know, give Murphy a second chance and he wants to, um, like enhance you know the police department so they can fight all this crime it's like no he's trying to show up dick jones who is like his main rival at this corporation he's trying to get dick jones out so he can take over uh his position and be the number two in the company and hopefully the ceo later and we kind of see this all, all through the movie like these corporate uh bastards frankly uh <laughs> never <laughs> never showing much humanity in fact maybe even showing less humanity than robocop himself who um is is doing the uh, the most human thing he can do is you know protect and serve others and you know it, it's it's brutal at times like i mean murphy doesn't just get killed he gets butchered and and then he be, it literally becomes grist for the mill he he literally becomes just meat for for this for this walking tank uh, called RoboCop, and and the film is is all about just you know how does one how does one hold on to their humanity not just in the face of like technological takeover but just in the face of like people acting like machines themselves you know th they're out to just maximize profits this this company Omni Corporation are just out to you know make as much money as humanly possible and they don't care how bad it gets for the people of Detroit and they don't care how bad it gets for the police officers mm -hmm. there's a whole backstory about you know labor strife and the police going on strike and uh 
it's, it's okay. Just, so how similar robots, kind mm-hmm. of in a black and white viewpoint sort of way, humans can be. Yeah, kind of like a Blade Runner. How we're starting to kind of lose the the difference. That's that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. No, Bl- Blade. I mean, and of course, it's like less than two hours. Like you, we get all these movies now that are like three hours and it's like how you know paul verhoven how does he pack all this into like it's like 100 110 minutes but it's you know it's it's it really is quite the onion robocop even though it's i mean the the title the title sounds so silly right is robocop he's part part robot part cop and it, it, it practically sells itself just to like sit on the video shelf and get you on Friday night, you're just looking for something to watch, but you know, it, it there's, it's so multifaceted. Um, yeah. It sounds like when you just hear the name uh, or haven't seen it, you think of a, a B movie type of film, right. But it's actually yeah. like, it's just a regular, like great Hollywood blockbuster film that deals with, yeah, important technology in a more in-depth way than others, you know? Yes. So um, I highly endorse RoboCop um, man versus machine, even though, Man is also a machine, but he is facing a greater machine in the growing corporatization, which, you know, still some strong lessons. Anyway, let's get oh, to yeah. your number two, Peter. Okay. So I first saw this in theaters mm-hmm. uh, uh, when I was young. So, you know, my mindset of reviews wasn't the same. Uh, <laughs> I picked, and I loved it when it came out, I picked uh, iRobot, the mm-hmm. Will Smith classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Alex Provas. Uh, and also, uh, guilty pleasure, uh, knowing I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Do you know what, Proyas? I, I respect you. I respect <laughs> you. Uh, but the reason I picked iRobot is even though all around it isn't an outstanding film, mm-hmm. I think the main point in the way it is presented is quite strong. Uh, it's that robots can be dangerous. We don't know what it's leading to. We need to be safe they're not human and the way that's displayed in the film uh spoiler alert although this you know came out i don't know how many years ago 20 years uh, ago <laughs> but yeah um his uh, the robot uh will smith and i think his son some other little dude is uh drowning in a car that's off the bridge and robot comes and since it's more uh likely for him to be saved uh, the mm-hmm. robot picks Will Smith as opposed to um, the the young the young little man, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know that kid dies. Uh, and yeah, I think that itself reflects perfectly off of the recent car incidents. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, cars that are just operated by the AI or the you know Tesla. Google has some as well. I'm not just singling out Tesla, mm-hmm. uh, but there's been incidents where where they crash and in, in, into somebody, um, and a lot of the times that is um, homeless people or people uh, living in lower class areas that are you know walking out late at night because there is um less data from those areas um to determine uh right. where the more common crossings are and there just isn't lights um so there's a lot of deaths uh related to cars and that's portrayed uh perfectly in irobot so even though all around like the acting is so so um and the mm. story is so so um the point is presented perfectly through just that one scene. It's a very strong one. Mm. Um, and I actually watched it a couple weeks ago and the CGI is meh, but it holds up, I would say even better than, uh, I don't know, like Phantom Menace or something like that. It's not 
you know a very high bar but um <laughs> definitely worse films from the 2000s that uh graphically speaking so uh if you're interested in tech uh will smith fan or you know want to feel some uh father-son sort of uh, emotions uh <laughs> like pursuit of happiness like a lot of will smith right uh you should check out irobot yep yeah no i i don't hate irobot i mean it's it's flawed certainly but i don't hate it it's um definitely got a lot to recommend it um including the vfx which yeah aren't kind of typical of the era everything is everything in that movie is kind of like a gray blah mess but um i i think i think there is a lot to recommend it will smith certainly that's still kind of primetime will smith as well um yeah yeah even after the academy he's still fine still yeah watch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh you know, he, and Alan Tudyk plays the robot who's accused of murder. Um, so that was, you know, starting a long history for Alan Tudyk playing robots. Well, maybe not. Yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't even a boy. I wasn't even, yeah, aware of that. My goodness, good but, on him. And uh, yeah, I want to say too, even though he's he's mm-hmm. dated now, there's um, surprisingly Shia LaBeouf is also uh, he's in it briefly, which is fun. Yeah, that was part of Shia LaBeouf's like sidekick phase because he's uh will smith's sidekick and i robot and then he was keanu reeves sidekick and constantine so mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting time capsule for sure um i might have to go back and revisit it which you can it's uh i just looked it up it's on disney plus so it's uh easy to find there robocop is also on 2b so if you get the free 2b service um robocop is is easy to access there um I picked something a little more recent for my next pick. It's called The Current War. And it's a film from Alfonso Gomez Rayon. And he he made Me Earl and the Dying Girl. This movie kind of got sandbagged because it was produced by the Weinstein Company. It it appeared in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, you know what's coming. It appeared at the Toronto Film Festival in 2017 in september 2017 which was literally a month before harvey weinstein's world blew up with all of the allegations of rape and sexual harassment and assault and this movie got sandbagged it ended up having to you know it was lumped in with uh, all the the weinstein company catalog which got sold off to different companies it eventually came out about three years later, and it just by that point it was it, there there was no marketing behind it. It was just kind of dumped, which is a shame. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it is a movie with a lot of interesting history behind it. It is essentially about the race between uh, George Westinghouse and Thomas Edison to see which version of electricity, alternating current or direct current, would become the dominant form of delivering electricity at the turn of the 20th century um in this you also get uh a bit of nikola tesla action um because he went he comes to america goes to work for edison kind of gets fed up with edison making promises that he doesn't keep um it's a great cast it's benedict cumberbatch as edison it's um michael shannon as westinghouse and uh, Nicholas Holt is Tesla. And then you also have Tom Holland farting around as uh, Sam Insel, <laughs> um, who's uh, a partner of uh, associated with the Westinghouse company. But you get all this wonderful history about like how electricity became dominant. Um, it's also a corporate story, 
which, uh, as you can imagine, is is pertinent to today's discussion, the corporate uh, race between Edison's company and the Westinghouse company, which is still around to some degrees. It's called General Electric now. Um, well, the corporate the, like dominance of certain technologies, like the uh, ATM, right? Like the, right. Uh, I think, who was it? Rogers, the incident that we dealt with. Right. Yeah. yeah. Monopolies. Yeah. Mon- monopolization is a big part of this too. And it, like, and that was a big pro- part of the um, problem with American business around the turn of the 20th century is that there was a lot of monopolization that, you know, would end up being sort of broken up uh, once we get to the great depression and the new deal. But yeah, just like corporations, because there's so much at stake or uh, willing to do anything like Edison was like famous for his dirty tricks um and you know dirtying up people's reputation uh he launched a campaign against tesla and westinghouse like just pissing all over alternating current and um there's a whole subplot in the film about how uh edison gets involved with the invention of the electric chair uh secretly as a way of like frightening people about electricity so that he can um talk about the safety of of direct current uh it's it's kind of bizarre just you know the man invented the electric chair as a as a corporate as a corporate fu to his competitor um, not actually associated with criminal punishment like well they wanted to, yeah yeah they wanted to find a way to use like electricity as a form of corporal punishment of course but i mean for 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 edison he had another just, idea in his mind okay okay yeah yeah edison Edison saw the opportunity to uh, make people afraid of electricity at the same time and use it to his own benefit. So, yeah, it's it's so bizarre. Um, but, I mean, the, the film never really comes together, but I find the interesting, the, the history of it very interesting, and, it, and it's, you know, always nice to see actors uh, collide and, and uh, something really... I like having Cumberbatch as Edison because it makes Edison, like, really sinister. <laughs> you see see pictures of that you see pictures of edison and he seems like such an affable guy when he was really like just a terrible person but so you know ben i i I like how after patent too was one of his uh his main issues he's very focused on the uh legal ownership of all the oh yeah because yeah because he wanted he wanted all that money he was um he he was quite the the robber baron in his own right yeah it's it's interesting just to see the history on screen, even if it isn't presented in a, a particularly interesting way. But um, it's fascinating. So I, I I do give the current war at least that in, that tacit endorsement. All right, let's get to your number three, Peter. Okay, so number three for me, uh, it's one of my favorite films, is Mike Judge's Idiocracy. <laughs> because in idiocracy it starts in the present day and we have a time capsule uh machine set up you know a very similar to our current uh i forget the crypto something the you know when we freeze up a body right something similar to that except technology has cryogenics yes uh tech that technology is made even better uh, so that right there is already a little sprinkle of technology in its flaws but once good old Luke Wilson gets to the future and everybody is super stupid, uh, perfectly portrayed by Dak Shepard, of course, <laughs> and uh, a little a little Maya Rudolph, too, which is uh, more obviously through her acting, but it's, hmm. she, she does a great job. 
um Dax uh, Shepard character a character actor and um <laughs> it's it's honestly outstanding it, it it what it does it shows how we achieved not achieved but we we gained this gained is about positive too us humans became stupid through technology and mm, in mm-hmm. particular media tv and the commercials and that's because government or one company when it takes it over it wants the most amount of people to consume the tv and to view it so just in case you make it you know a mediocre level of intelligence or whatever and then that's going to become you know the average and you're going to need to lower that a bit you know because it's going to be people who are below that after and it, it just really shows how technology dependence how it's used could make us more stupid uh it's very similar to what i was uh talking about interstellar 5555 mm-hmm. um uh irobot shows the danger that can become to the machines in an actual more you know them harming us way whereas idiocracy shows how we ourselves could really screw technology over uh upon ourselves so how mm. we can uh manipulate it which is done with commercials right making things more stupid mm. uh, and how could that as a whole can make us humans stupid mm-hmm. um and yeah i know it's a very broad idea but it's shown in a very uh comedic way you know uh, well, it's, it's also become true cruise <laughs> uh and, and yeah it has become true absolutely mm. uh in particular it has the simplicity of headlines has made a lot of things mm-hmm. uh just the idea of headlines and like how they're manipulated into being almost a lie and how people don't read the full article is yeah led to a lot yeah. of uh scandals not even scandals just incidents misinformation you know, yeah misinformation misinformation is the real issue yeah yeah and uh, idiocracy uh, shows that well yeah, there's a lot of like, like comedy, or you don't like commercialism, then <laughs> I recommend Idiocracy. Yeah, although I, uh, unfortunately, it's uh, it's free, right? Not free, like if you pay for it, it's on Disney Plus. It is on Disney Plus, yeah, <laughs> one of the highest, you know, conglomerate companies. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so check Idiocracy out on that one thing well, it was trying to prevent. Well, I mean, it was all it was always kind of this fascinating sort sort of it's like place in the corporate in the, the corporate infrastructure of of the things because it was released it was originally released by 20th century fox which of course so at huge the studio, time yeah huge studio but of course like it's you know very obviously connected to like fox news which is an entity that even back when idiocracy was released could argue you could say arguably it was dumbing people down but yeah it's it's it is becoming more and more prescient with each passing year i'm afraid um so Wrapping up my list, uh, I put Steve Jobs on here, which is kind of a forgotten, um, uh, maybe not forgotten, but I, I feel like it's gotten lost a bit. There was too many. There was too many at the time. Because I, right now, I don't know which one you're picking. Because I remember there was the Kutcher one as well. That's right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There was there was a lot. A lot yeah, the same year. I'm choosing the Danny Boyle one from the Aaron Sorkin script, starring Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, Kay Winslet, and Seth Rogen. Um. Obviously, it is kind of the more kind of uh, prestige uh, jobs pick. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, it, it got overwhelmed because it came out like the same Oscar season as like the big short and spotlight. And so all these kind of like true life stories about like big issues. So it kind of it, it kind of got wiped out in that regard. But 
I, I think it is as maybe it might not be as solid as the social network just because of you know in the social network you get all of these vile characters like the Winklevi and and Zuckerberg and, mm-hmm. um but it, it is I feel you know there's a lot of commonalities between this and Blackberry because it is very much still about that that, that dynamic of the purity of technology versus the cutthroat corporatism. And sometimes Steve Jobs represents both sides of these things. He is a creative visionary. At the same time, he's like highly competitive and uh, wants to win and he wants to be the top dog. And uh, I, I really like the, the the performance by Fassbender. I think Seth Rogen is really great as, as Wozniak. Um, you get uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get St- Michael Stuhlbarg as as one of the other Apple Andy uh, Andy Hertzfeld. Um, great cast all around. Um, I I appreciate that this is not the Jobs that as as he was. Um, but I I also appreciate that this is kind of like Shakespearean and that uh sorkin is kind of sorkin and boyle are kind of using the the real life characters to tell um a story about how technology evolves and how business sometimes trumps the the lofty ideals of the technology and you get this really interesting setup where it takes place over three different product launches so obviously like these 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 occasions were not packed with all this like internal interpersonal drama so I feel like the the movie has a like a subtextual wink that this is not the history as it happened. Um, however, said that it does feel like it's getting at something true about the man and his intricacies, and uh, and how there were multiple sides to Steve Jobs. There was the magnanimous um, kind of like, you know, I was on mushrooms and I had a vision of the internet <laughs> and a vibe, um, but also like just the like how this man was just like such a as he says in the movie, I'm imperfectly made. Um, there, there's this kind of like open acceptance that he, he understands that he's not always at his best as a human being. And um, there's also another line in it um, where Wozniak says to Jobs, like your products are better than you. And Jobs says, well, that's the point. Um, it, yeah. There, there's so much, so much subtext and like, you know, can you be, you know, is what you put out into the world better or, or will that make you more memorable than just sort of like going through life as a nice guy? And um, there's, there's a lot of fun dynamics with that. And it, it, it's very theatrical, which I appreciate too. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's plays into a lot of Sorkin's strengths as a playwright. So um, I, maybe that's also why it wasn't a, so great filmically speaking, but um, I like Steve Jobs a lot, and I think there's a lot to, to take away from it. Hopefully, it'll be rediscovered. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. It's available on a lot of streaming. Um, I haven't seen it myself, and I'm actually more inclined now. Um, yeah, it's I, worth I, seeing. I, that sounds interesting. It deals with with the shrooms because he was a very huge part of the <laughs> uh, LA culture as well, like the uh, holistic uh, hippie, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, and I just find it so cool because he's also one of the greatest technological inventors, right? So yeah. I'm glad that the film brings that up. It's very important uh, Steve Jobs distinction. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, yeah. It, it, the film does a lot with how, you know, he he's not like a, he's not a programmer. He's not an engineer. He's, he's like the ideas guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting 
again that we see that this is kind of the age the 80s where we see that kind of pivot he's not the guy who actually builds the thing he's the guy that kind of thinks it up and figures out how to market and how how best people can access it and i think that's something we're going to see play into blackberry which we are going to review coming up next you are listening to end credits here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio Hi. There are three reasons why people buy our phones. Do you know what they are? We're email. They f***ing work. Yeah, okay. It's not us, Jim. It's the carrier. Verizon is doing something weird. Okay, well, I'm about to do something weird if you don't fix this. Now! Um... The deal I, was, I get the engineers, I, you shrink the data! Are you, are, you, are you selling more phones? What the hell do you think I've been doing over here, Mike? We're in the middle of a hostile f***ing... Why do you have somebody babysit you, dork? Okay, okay, so that's, okay. Uh, yeah, the entire system is crashing. He's selling more phones. Hey, God damn it! Yeah, I, yeah, so, okay. Uh, you know, maybe just uh, hold off selling more phones. I'm not for, yeah. And that was a clip from the new film Blackberry. It is from writer and director Matt Johnson, and it stars Jay Baruchel, Glenn Howerton, Matt Johnson, Martin Donovan, Michael Ironside, Saul Rubinick, Mark Critch, Rich Summers, and Carrie Elways. Um, this is a murderer's row of uh, Canadian acting talent here. With uh, oh yeah, a list. Uh, yeah, with Canadians. you know Ironside, Saul Rubinick. Um, <laughs> like these are these are these are great actors and uh great story too as you implied at the beginning locally connected i remember um in the mid-aughts when like blackberry was on fire like there was like there was blackberry money to burn and uh even in guelph here like the musa gettys foundation was a, you know which funds a lot of community efforts started because uh somebody sold their blackberry stock at the, when it was well, like, the universe- uh, high yeah 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 well and the university of guelph uh, uh like as i mentioned earlier it was the uh phone for professors and librarians and yeah. staff that would yeah use uh, uh um get the technology through the university so yeah it was pretty pretty crazy how uh quickly it became um almost a cellular conglomerate of you know at the very least canada southwest uh ontario and it didn't cover it in the movie but i also what else, the other thing i remember about about research in motion is like they brought they brought aerosmith to waterloo to, for like a staff party like that was some of the stuff they would do <laughs> like there's old scenes in the movie about like the movie nights you know that what? the engineers would have what uh that maybe was like a part of it but then because of the uh recent steven tyler scandal they they might have cut it out right aerosmith oh maybe what he's a part of 
But I mean, they they used to, it wasn't just Aerosmith. Like who else did it? like uh, Balsilli like rented out the, the what we now call the ACC, um, or no, is it Scotiabank now? Well, at the time it was the what one of them the place the place where the Leafs play. He like rented out for like the tragically hip for like a staff party. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Yeah, that should have been. Honestly, it could have just been like legal reasons, right? That they couldn't. Yeah. Uh, uh. I mean, probably, but it's it's just like it, it, the the amount of money getting thrown around was just crazy, and just uh, going into the film, I was thinking a lot about these things. Just like it, it's it it was this huge thing in our area, and then it was just gone. So th- this this really does feel like a, a time capsule. And just to talk about the movie itself, uh, boy, is this a good movie? <laughs> oh, it's it's outstanding. I I actually I've seen Air too, as I believe you have. Uh, I've seen I've Air, yep. it, correct? Yep. Yeah, yep. I would say if you're going to watch a biopic, uh, even though Air is great, this one even better. This one, in my opinion, at least, is yeah, outstanding. Um, I think what I love about this that is the problem for a lot of other uh, biopics is the focus was so heavily. And this, in this film, a good thing, so heavily on the social relationship between uh, Mike Lazaridis, uh, Jim uh, Balsilli, and um, Doug. Uh, yeah, Douglas Bragan. Yeah, Matt, Matt Johnson, the director's character. Um, and, and I think in Canada, especially, we have mm-hmm. a lower population than the States, right? So I think even in our big conglomerate countries, there is more, especially something like this coming out of just like, you know, Waterloo uh more of a, a tight community uh, mm-hmm. and i really thought that was uh, portrayed well in this film mm-hmm. um but also like air uh delved enough into the connections to silicon valley or to some of the american things mm-hmm. um i i personally really liked um the uh quick little naughty dog reference the uh, american <laughs> company that one of the because I, I love naughty dog um so i thought that was a cool there was a lot of that little kind of just quick uh not in your face uh references to really cool um technological companies that uh blackberry workers had been a part of before or that is attributed to blackberry or a competitor to blackberry mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I think just because of that um the great relationship with the characters and how much depth was given to the blackberry history other than some of the celebrity um cooperating that you mentioned uh, mm. i think it dealt with a lot of the blackberry the important stuff and yeah just great all around oh yeah like i, I didn't need any celebrity cameos or anything like I, you know carrie elways as carl yanko yankowski who, who was the the head of palm pilot I think that was that was a good celebrity cameo, even though he's not playing himself. But like having Carrie always like whip out that Palm Pilot. He's a big guy, yeah. <laughs> kind of, also, his him like hearing him talk about how uh, he was the inventor of the two liter Mountain Dew and how he, nobody thought <laughs> they were going to sell it, and then he proposes merging Palm Pilot and BlackBerry as the the tech version of the two liter bottle of Mountain Dew. I thought that was <laughs> that was funny on multiple levels. Um, but yeah, I, I, there have been like three movies in this kind of like corporate icon origin story subgenre that's been developed. So you get Air, um, there's Blackberry, but there's also Tetris, which um, I did. <laughs> oh yeah, Tetris. Tetris was okay. Tetris was a little too uh, focused on the audience's attention or at least 
excitement. Yes. Its no. goal is to be a thriller, and it paid off. But it, it didn't focus heavily enough on the company, the game, or the really grand effects it had on uh, just the world as a whole. You're right. Uh, Tetris, I like Tetris, but it is too cute by half with the way it, like the chase sequence at the end where it uses the Tetris theme music in the, in, in the car chase, which... Yeah, it's a bit uh, much. That, that to me reminded me more of like, I don't know, Columbus's Pixels or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Blackberry, I find, get, get there's, and maybe it's because of the, the nature, it's like this it feels a bit like this biblical parable it's like an Icarus story. They flew too close to the sun. It's, you know, they, they couldn't, they invented the smartphone market, but couldn't enter the promised land. You know, there's, there's this little tagline at the end. That's, you know, the Blackberry share of the, the, the phone market is now 0%. Well, that's because Blackberry doesn't make devices anymore. It's a, it's a software. Yeah, market, it's just know? done. I know. I know it presented, it said Blackberry no longer exists in like the saddest possible way. <laughs> It should have, yeah. There should have been like a sad trombone, like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> but they're too busy playing Waterloo Sunset, which uh, th- that's another thing I appreciated about this. There were like some pretty obvious needle drops, um, like ending the film with Waterloo Sunset was a bit on the nose. But um, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know that. I don't know who Waterloo <laughs> Sunset is, so I should, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I think well, that was okay. I, b- I believe it's technically an oldie now, but um. But I, I didn't find the needle drops terribly egregious, which I appreciate. And there was one, there was, there was one I really liked, which is um, uh, Doug is, is it, out is getting. Right? Sorry, go ahead. Doug is out getting what? Well, he's out getting he's out getting the movie for movie night. And it's the nineteen ninety Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, and and while he's out, you know, Charles Putty, this character played by Michael Ironside, who becomes the CEO of, of Research in Motion, he's like whipping the engineers to, to tackle this project. And he's coming back with, with the movie for movie night. And the song that's playing is the MC Hammer song from the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack. And um, he's listening to it in the car. And then he pops a tape and puts it in his Walkman and walks into Blackberry. And you have just have this MC Hammer song playing. Uh, yeah, it was oh, beautiful. The, uh, it was beautiful. The, mu- the music for me, really, uh, I wasn't like you know expecting it to be a standout, but it was uh, phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, at the first uh, scene where the airplane, I forget what the location is. I think it's just going into New York or something. But right, uh, the song they have start playing then, and then when they show the you know New York or wherever it is intersections and things, it becomes even heavier. But the same song, it, it's just a really beautiful part, and it shows uh, <laughs> how even though it hasn't been confirmed yet, this is the start of like the grand. Uh, mm. rise of Blackberry. I, I just mm-hmm. the music was really, really outstanding. Uh, whether it be the score um, or the the soundtrack, I guess that was more of the sound. There wasn't really too much of the score. Whether it be the instrumental music uh, or the like you said, some what MC Hammer or whoever, mm-hmm. uh, it was just yeah, really, really great. Um, and uh, see, I thought you were talking about how it's got some little uh, Canadian sprinkles throughout, which I liked, but sure, not. Yeah shoved in your face um their uh their their first little place was just rented above a shopper's drug mart but you know they never go in and never said shopper's drug mart but you can tell so well, yeah was there a- was just just enough of yeah canadian in it you know i'm glad nobody was like chugging on like the, i don't know a double double or something like that <laughs> yeah there's nobody you know with uh one of those daisy mart two liter jugs of chocolate milk or anything um yeah it's there, there, there's I, I like that it's kind of non although there is a lot of like pointed jokes about like i'm not going to waterloo when he's out trying to recruit engineers 
Um, oh yeah, whereas the Canadians always have to go to like sometimes L.A., which is so much further than yeah. you know New York or Chicago to Waterloo. It's it's ridiculous. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. I like the, the it really does capture that kind of outsider feel without kind of like rubbing it in your face. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, are you a big It's Always Sunny fan? I am a huge It's Always Sunny fan. Okay, so you I've, you, I've watched, yeah, every season, every season. So you appreciate the talent of Glenn Howerton? I thought Glenn Howerton was outstanding. <laughs> I, I really do. Wow, what were your thoughts? Oh, I've, I've, I've never seen it. It's Always Sunny, but uh, I thought he was great. Yeah, he's the. Yeah, okay, so that's. In particular, I wanted to note that even if you have watched It's Always Sunny, he really does come off as Jim Mulsilly. He mm. doesn't even look that different than his character other than the hair, but he just does such a great job and he's just <laughs> so different than what you expect from him uh, that he's really great. Yeah, you're not going to think of Dennis at all, really. <laughs> I appreciate that he's very clearly wearing a skull cap and he didn't shave his head. Um, I, I feel he did, that he did shave his head. Did he shave his head? He did shave his head. Yeah, that was like one of the biggest sticks of the film. Okay, yeah. I, I I thought he, I thought he looked like he was wearing a skull cap. No, well, he wasn't. Okay, and then <laughs> I I don't know what it was because it, it they're just it, it felt maybe because he's not naturally bald, so it feels a little inauthentic. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just it kind of adds to the, the the general skeeziness of the of the Jim Ball silly character. Um, but yeah, he's great. I I like the little. Um, <laughs> he's he's great in these small moments. Like, obviously, there are these big moments where he's like yelling and screaming at people, and he, you know, he, screaming at them to clean up their act when he first comes to the office. And um, yeah, and sorry, I go ahead. I think what's even more beautiful about that is, yes, he's screaming, he's a jerk, but he actually does a couple good things. He actually does help out the company. So there's more you know, layers to him, which is always great in a biopic. Right. And he's always kind of falling on his face, too, which I appreciate. It's, you know, a lot of these films, like, there is a mythology that in order to be successful, you have to be a jerk. Um, you have to treat people like garbage. That's what separates the successful people from the non-successful people. But throughout this movie, we constantly see in- instances where Jim Balsilli is throwing his weight around, being a jerky, screaming people, and then he like he he gets a, a, at least enough pushback that he backs off. Um, but it, it's more than that to the character. It's that there, there's this feeling he has, this feeling of entitlement that he has. And there's a really great moment where he's talking to, uh, what's the guy's name? One of the engineers, Paul Stanos, where he's trying to get Paul Stanos to come work for Blackberry. And um, Paul t- says, like, you know, you know what we call these things in meetings? We call them crackberries. And there's, <laughs> Howerton just has this little smirk on his face, and, it, and he quickly wipes it away to get back to the business at hand. It's such a beautiful moment of, of just, like, revealing this character. It's like, not only am I success, but like people resent the success. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that character Paul Stanos is played by Rich Summer, who people know as Harry Crane from Mad Men. So that's, that's just right. I thought it was cool we were able to get a hitch on a a well known Canadian or sorry American at least in the the TV scene, right? Like the, mm. the AMC high end TV scene. <laughs> we're I getting high end people. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was cool. It also is because like this film is super canadian but i'm glad the director matt johnson didn't like 
I don't know. I didn't. He picked a couple cool Americans. I'm okay with that, right? Like, you know, yeah, we're multicultural. It's our stick. Yeah. So uh, okay. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. Good at as good actors. <laughs> but I am glad the majority was Canadian. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really think, too, and if you live in Hamilton, you will love this. This will be the main <laughs> focus. Um, it shows, it intertwines a really cool storyline of uh, Jimbo Silly, Glenn Howerton's character, mm-hmm. trying to steal the. Philly Penguins, the Pit- Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins, and make it the Hamilton uh, uh, Penguins, and mm-hmm. it shows how like that was, and how even though everybody in Hamilton knew about it, everybody in Canada talked about it, they actually didn't know in the states. <laughs> the NHL states people didn't know that was his plan, even though he'd already bought like the the stadium. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny, and it's a really cool story. Um, and it also a good way of showing why Blackberry, or at least uh, Belsilly's role, started to decay uh, a bit and things started to change. Kind of why um, Jay Baruchel, Mike uh, Lazaridis, had to start himself becoming more more strong, uh, more um, angry. Yeah, I I, th- I I understand sort of the politics and the the business dynamics of it. I don't think the film itself though does a really great explanation and like why he's jetting around to make this nhl deal as the company is falling apart essentially no 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 i i don't know if i agree with that it's because it shows in the beginning the way he's watching the hockey games his response to the other person how how obvious of a lie it is when he says that person he doesn't like hockey so i think they show enough his obsession with it and especially as a canadian too right like how that overpasses the blackberry at least for him because they also do, they show a lot throughout how, like, his mindset for tech, he's not a tech guy, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, 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 I know what you mean. I, I get, though, that, you know, there was a part of Balsilli that was wanting to be big time. And I, I'm not sure the film does enough to sort of really make it clear that I may I may be wrong, but I I just feel like there's there's a point in the film where Balsilli's story becomes all about like him trying to buy a hockey team, and it's like really you're just gonna like <laughs> it's this is your focus now this is entirely your focus at least that's the way it kind of feels in the movie. I I do agree that like the the I I love the Lazarita story, um again because that's kind of like the heart of this where um at least from like sort of like a basic kind of mythological level where he comes in and he's like, no, I'm either going to do a thing perfect or I'm not going to do it at all. And there's this whole thing about how he's annoyed by this little circuit that creates this little white noise and this intercom device and he has to stop and he has to fix it right away. Um, Yes, yeah, yeah. I I do think the only point I will make, the only thing that was maybe a little too uh, Canadian nationalist is his closet, they really displayed his hatred for the Chinese product. (laughs) And I just think with the highway thing going on, that was maybe a little, I don't know, a little too propagandish. But that's that's like the only sprinkle of it. That's maybe just me overanalyzing it. But uh, yeah, it did also like the buzzing of the Chinese products did show uh, what we, you know, the OCD or whatever of Lazarus as well. So yeah, it, it definitely did that well. It's 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 the last it's the last straw. It's the last like thing to fall is that he holds on to this thing. It's like he's not going to outsource the production to China. And it, you know when that when that comes down, um, you know that he's like sold. Like it's his very last principle. It's the very last thing he sells out um, that to, to move all the production to China. And it, as, as a money saving measure, he gives up on this idea of 
um, that the the product itself, like having Care one perfect consumer. product, yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it's it's a very typical story. It's like he, everything everything he values gets stripped away until there's like one last thing, and then that goes. And uh, <laughs> the, the the dynamic between he, uh, Lazaridis and Balsili are so good. Like the, the the last scene that they have together, where the SEC are there, and um. I mean, it's not a spoiler because it's real life. Like, you know, Lazaridis has basically sold out both silly to the to the SEC. And it's another great it's another great little like facial tick on mm-hmm. on Howerton's part where he just like he kind of smirks and then he looks down and like he's he's resigned. He's like, okay, I'm gonna go down for this. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, he finally <laughs> and, and, accepted and you know, it. Mike Mike sold me out and good, you know, good job, Mike. Way to save yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, and they do a good job too of um, uh, you. You kind of think it's it's going to be Belsilia, right? That does the the kind of betrayal, but then yeah, it's more of a lizardist mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that further just shows the depth of the characters. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. a black and white situation. Yeah, it's 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 very it's very very smart, and very very well acted. Um, it is a bit of a you know Canadian legend. Um, and you know it's it's you know it shows that you know we can we can develop some scumbags here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. But yeah, no. Just, uh, to just to sign off on this, like, I don't know how successful it was over the the weekend, but um, if like, please see this in theaters. It is uh, it's a good film, well made, great acting. Um, non-obnoxious needle drops um just all around just an all-around great movie and i i i hope oh, everyone yeah, takes time to see it on the big screen yeah and not just what not I, just wait for streaming what i do love is um even though people you definitely see it in theaters uh mm. since it's you know cbc it, it'll always be available on the on their site it'll, it'll definitely be archived especially it's um connection to our history yeah um so yeah but see it in theaters because that's what the actors and the director deserve yes yes um support canadian film and support end credits because <laughs> you have to come back next week it's the end of our show we hope you liked it you can find us on our website endcreditsradioshow.com you can download every episode on the Guelph Politicast channel get it every friday at podbean or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google TuneIn, and spotify when you're on Spotify, you can find much of the music that you hear on End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. We're also on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where else can people find you out there on the internet? Uh, Peter Wesley Salmon on good old Letterboxd, and Mr. Tarak on YouTube and Twitter. Yeah, Candace was throwing a little shade by your letterbox. Uh, oh, today. she slammed me. She yeah, slammed yeah. me. Fashion the uh, classic orgasma. How dare she? How <laughs> dare she? Look, she like like just between you and me, there are a lot of those like silly Hallmark romances that she likes. Like there's some there's some good dirty oh, throw back on her. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> uh I will be back here tomorrow at five PM for News and Politics and Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. Or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits. And we will see you then.